Welcome to Geek Salad, a podcast about two guys talking about their passion for anything geek, from the digital world to the not-so-digital world. Now here are your hosts, Randy and Jay A. LaRock. And welcome to Geek Salad. I am Jay LaRock. I'm here with Randy. What's up? What's up, my brother? Thanks to everybody who's listening. We are powered by ObsoleteGamer.com and the Mascot Studios Network. So, man, I found my new addiction. You know, I I subscribe to some of these people who collect retro games. And for me, it's kind of hard for me to get into that because I see what certain games cost. And to me, it's kind of crazy that a lot of the games that cost a lot are the ones that, like, you don't want to play. Like, Micro Machines for the NES. It's like... Mm -hmm. You go and look in that game. If you try and buy it like on, on eBay or something, it's like a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I don't get it. But what I have found is, I've already told you guys that I got um, a Switch for for Christmas, and they have like all these classic games. So of course, if you get the online bundle, you get a bunch of Super Nintendo games. But beyond that, you have a lot of these other companies that sell their games like uh castlevania mega man things like that so i've actually subscribed to the subreddit that shows you like all the various different sales that come out on for the switch and i found i just keep buying retro games even if i already have the the emulator and the rom and everything or even if i have the like the mini arcade like today i just got through buying heavy barrel sly spy Burger Time, and um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, Bad Dudes. Oh, dude, Bad Dudes, <laughs> my God. And it, it's just, I, I don't know why I'm doing it. I mean, look, they were like $1.99, so it's not like I'm spending like 10 yeah. bucks a piece. Because some of the regular prices were stupid. Like, I think mm-hmm. it was like three or four arcade games, and, they, and the regular price was like $19.99. I'm like, no. But like $4.99 for that pack? Or one ninety nine mm-hmm. for the game, and it's like the direct arcade game and everything, and even has like a mm-hmm. save state, is worth it. But yeah, man, they got me. <laughs> oh no, like that's the thing that's nuts is so there's a there was a spot up here that they started doing like um they basically were like a GameStop you could trade in old games and all that. And everything like that, but they literally mostly did like the retro stuff. And so, like, what's nuts is when you realize like some of the games, like I remember way back when when I had my original Super Nintendo, like one of the games that I had that I loved was Super Metroid. And I'm like, dude, I so want to get that again now that I'm an adult and all that. And I got my, you know, another NES, a Super NES console. And then like I went in and they had a copy, and I'm like. <gasps> When I saw the price, it was eighty dollars. I'm like, bro, I wouldn't pay eighty dollars for a brand new game, let alone a game that's as old as, as uh, Super Metroid and just a cartridge. We're not talking even box and all that. And it's just like, so I started to look into like this is how I got caught in all that. I started looking into like what really determines like the prices of this stuff because that's like insane for a cart. And it's based on, you know, first thing that drives price like crazy. Number one, it was a game that they didn't produce that many copies of. 
Number two is if it was a game that were a ton of copies, but nobody traded it in because it was such a good game. Yeah. And that's where games like Super Metroid fall in, the Final Fantasy series. Um, you're looking at what else uh, was another big one. So one that I I had a copy of, which is funny because most of the retro stuff I have, I got when I used to work at GameStop. And so I worked there at GameStop when they used to tra- take the old Nintendo, Super Nintendo, all that stuff in the stores, and we'd resell it. And so we used to do the old trick, which was, hey, you would put it through the system and see how much they're getting in trade. And if there was something that you wanted, it was like, cool, let's see, you're trading in Super Metroid. You're going to get 20 bucks for that. What we would do is we'd go and they're like, cool, I'll take, let's say, the $100 for everything total. We'd remove the Super Metroid out of the list. We'd process the trade. We'd give them the 100 bucks, and then we'd take the $20 out of our wallet and put it back in the register. Oh, man, that's yeah. smart. And so basically we would pay whatever the trade-in value was for that game. So I ended up getting, because I was there a day that a guy brought it in, I got an old NES. I got uh he traded in an old NES with a couple of games like I had the Zelda Gold Cart. I got Metroid, I got Rad Racer. I got like I got a ton of them. And I literally paid 10 bucks for all of it. Nice. You know? I had somebody trade in a bunch of Super Nintendo games that I was looking for. One of those games was Super Mario RPG. Love game that game. I loved. Yeah, game that I loved. I paid maybe five, ten dollars for it. That game's worth sixty bucks right now. You know? And so like that trading scene, like there's people that they will go nuts. If you want to see a dude that has an insane collection, look up on YouTube uh Metal uh Metal Jesus. He does like a whole bunch of retro game things, dude. His game room, when you look at how many games he has and not just, you know, games, you're talking games in boxes and all that kind of the same thing as um, the angry video game nerd, his oh, fucking yeah. collection. Like, dude, he's been collecting. You could tell he's been collecting that that shit for years and years and years. Like, I do believe he said one of the times where he did an update, like, tour of his collection. Like, he literally has a full Nintendo cartridge set, a full, like, Master System cartridge set. Like, he's got a bunch of, like, old school sets that he has, like, every single cart. And so I, that, was, that, that, that was the thing with that. Like, I, I <laughs> one of the dudes I worked with literally picked up. I just remembered it now. Final Fantasy 1 on NES. Oh. Dragon Warrior 1, NES. Final Fantasy 2, Super NES. Final Fantasy 3, Super NES. All the Romance the Three Kingdom games from Nintendo all the way to Super Nintendo. He probably paid $10 for all that. Damn. And you're looking at what? Final Fantasy 2 and 3 are going for $60, $70 a pop? That's crazy. Like, dude, it was that was the biggest, dumbest kind of thing that they had there. Like, it was insane. 
I admit that when you were telling the story, I was hoping that you would admit to a felony and then I could like bribe you so that I edit it out. <laughs> like you want me to remove that from the podcast? Well, let's let's talk about what you have let's in your room. Let me, you let me look around. It'll, I'll be shopping your room like they used to do on uh, on what was that um, Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> oh my God, yes. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's bro, it's it's hilarious. Like how how much these companies are taking advantage of like people like us that we have this like nostalgia for all these old games and they're like oh yeah i mean at least like like you say like the the castlevania kind of connection is an amazing thing to get from there because like you literally get what like six great castlevania games yeah and the japanese version and the japanese version and like the what was it the rondo of blood which i not Rondo of Blood. Yeah, Rondo of Blood was the only one that was on the Turbo Graphics that you couldn't find it other than that. They have that in the collection. Um, and then they had the Japanese version, uh, one that never came out here. They had in there, too. And it's like, it's like, dude, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. Oh, you're yeah. going to get all those nostalgic people that are like, oh, I loved the first, cast- the first and second Castlevania game. Oh, and I get four other games? Yeah, I'll pay your ten bucks. And you get the save state, so it works like oh, an emulator. Yeah. So it's like if you're at a part that you know is difficult, instead of having to start all the way over, you just save and you start there. So that alone will make people be like, okay, especially when it's on sale. And it seems like these sales, because, I mean, since I'm on this Reddit now, I seem to mm-hmm. see that the things are on sale like every other all month. All the time. Yeah, all the time. So it almost doesn't make any sense to buy it at regular price. I mean, I got it for four ninety nine. I also mm-hmm. got the Contra one. Uh, and it was four ninety nine regular price, like I think it was nine ninety nine or something like that. And yeah. I was just like, man, that's great. And I think another key to it is the handheld nature, because mm-hmm. you know some games like maybe you know you're playing Breath of the Wild. Obviously, yes, you can play it on the Switch proper, but you usually want to play it on a bigger screen. So you yeah. want to connect so you can really enjoy all of it. But if you're playing like old school Castlevania. You don't. It doesn't matter. Sure, it looks mm-hmm. nice, or it could be fun on a big screen, but it'll play fine on the screen that you get, especially if you're taking it somewhere and you can just load up a whole bunch of retro games. So, I mean, they were really smart to do that. And even though I admit I think that some of the quote-unquote indie games that they have are kind of crappy, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I still like the fact that you can sometimes find like a really good addictive game for like under mm. five bucks in their indie section too. So Dude, it's, it's why I've loved for the longest time, uh, the humble, the humble bundles. Uh, yeah. Because you pay like $10 and you get like seven or eight, you know, games. And yeah, like, well, starting out, they used to be like all indie games, but it was like, dude, you'd get seven games and, Five of them were bangers and two were, eh, they're all right. Like, you weren't wasting your 10 bucks. Like, that was the thing that got me about that. Yeah, they, 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 they've they got me. So, I mean, that's just yet another thing that I'm, like, well, collecting games on. <laughs> good thing, like, I, I will sit there and tell you, good thing, like, you kind of ease yourself out of the whole, like, oh, I want to do this the proper way and all that. Because you're going to have, like, that's the other thing about that craziness is... You have people that are like purists. Oh yeah. That are like, oh no, I have to have the original hardware, the original, you know, cartridge and blah 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 blah. And on top of that, dude, like 
the other good reason why you're kind of like it's good that you kind of like got yourself out of that is bro like literally to find an old school crt to play that on granted there's some really amazing you know equipment that they've come out with that basically upscales and all that crap for you so you can play it on a more modern tv but it's one of those things where it's just like like you're gonna pay an arm and a leg to get some of these things just to like okay i want to hook this up to hdmi instead of freaking the thing and it's still not gonna look like you're still gonna have like the biggest reason why a lot of those people will buy an old CRT and all that is because they'll complain putting it on a new TV. You have the input lag. Oh yeah. So, I mean the the way that I, I will tell you the the first like nostalgic game that got me when they released Ducktales Remastered. Oh yeah. So this <laughs> this is the shit that happens to me. This is what I crack up about that is they released a game and I'm like, oh man, I loved as a kid playing the original DuckTales. Like, it was such a great game. I remember going to my friend's house. We'd sit there for like two to three hours and just play through the whole game beginning then. And then I got the remastered and I'm like, oh, this is great. And I sat down and started playing it and I'm like, good lord, this damn game is hard as hell. Even (laughs) when I put it on easy. And so... For the longest time, I was like, dude, there's no way that that game was that hard way back when. And so when I built my Raspberry Pi that I put literally all the Nintendo ROMs onto it, I said, I'm going to fire up the Nintendo emulator on this thing, and I'm going to put DuckTales on, and I'm going to prove to myself, like, this, they, they adjusted the difficulty and made it harder. And then I started playing the original and I was dying, dying just as quickly and just as as many times as I was on the remastered. And I just sat there and like that realizations sunk in of like, oh, no, this is really like this. Like, it's just that way back when we were used to all those really difficult games. And now because they've made games more casual you've forgotten how difficult these games were. Yeah, I remember playing, like, the original Mega Man, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's pretty difficult, but nothing I can't handle. I try to go back now. I can barely get off stage one. Yeah, I was just like, whole, like I, I literally convinced myself that I'm like, I'm going to fire this old ROM up, and this is going to be like, I'm going to cakewalk it like I used to. And the moment it was the same, I'm like, Holy crap, have I become that <laughs> complacent to the casual gaming that, like, this is it now? I've lost my skin. Damn, I was like, damn, dude. And I'm like, no wonder. No wonder people love games like Dark Souls. It's because it awakens that inner Nintendo hard, <laughs> you know, gameplay that we were used to back then. Though, one of, one of my pet peeves, especially back in the day was when they would release a quote-unquote arcade version, but oh, then God. they wouldn't give... And you'd actually put coins, you know, like fake coins, obviously. You hit whatever, yeah. uh, select or something to, to insert coin. But then they'd still put a limit on you. Like, yeah. like you could only continue, like, three times. They even done that with one of the... Well, I was playing a Contra um, version of the arcade, the arcade version mm-hmm. of Contra... They do that, too, where you can put in coins, but after, like, two or three continues, it's, like, game over. And I'm like, what? 
there's mm-hmm. no such thing as game over in the in a coin op game. Well, except games like um, what was it, Operation Wolf? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh man, that you know those. That's one of those games that really could can cause a, you know some kind of like trauma for a child because I mean, <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, I don't know it was it one or two. I I know it's one of the Operations Wolves, but I know that what happens is at the end you're on a plane. And you're making your way through the plane, shooting people, and you have all the people you rescued on the plane, so you have to make sure you don't shoot them. Okay, fine. But when you get to the boss, the boss is holding the pilot. And you have to kill the boss, and the boss keeps, like, using the pilot as a human shield. If you kill the pilot, that's it. Like, you're yeah. done. There's no continue. The pilot's dead. You can't take off, because obviously you're a trained mercenary that was sent to fight you know one versus one million but you don't know how to fly a plane so you're fucked and you know that's the thing that just like when when i got that game over screen i'm like oh maybe it just means i start over at the beginning of the plane nope you gotta start all over like all over yeah that crushed me man let me tell you it, it uh if you do a search on youtube for um i think it's pac-man cq it's p-a-q uh man He's like a YouTuber that he goes over like the history of of arcade games, uh, or is it P? Let me see. Hold on. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's P A Q. Because uh, what's the? Damn, I have to look at what it is because he does like. Uh oh, Patman, P A T M A N Q C, is his name, and so like he goes into um, he does like the history of different games, and then like we'll go into like going over about the arcade release, and then what's really cool is he'll go and show like all the ports that they made of the game. So it's like really neat because you'll see some really crappy ones and some really good ones. And it's funny because a lot of the arcade games that he does, like you like he talks about how like, you know, the people that came up with them, they were like, hey, you're going to make this game, but you're going to make it like so that it's a quarter muncher. And there were other ones like that, that it was like they made it really, really hard. And they only gave you so many continues to have people keep coming and keep playing the game to get better and better so they could so that they could get farther and farther on the first on the quarters that they had. So, like, it's interesting to see all that stuff, how they do that. And it's like, oh, yeah, like you don't realize that. Yeah, those those things were made to make money and that was it. Oh, yeah. And it's like I said, I, I remember going to an arcade uh, really early in the in the day before they opened, and seeing that they could actually like change the difficulty set the settings, wow. I never knew that, and I was like, oh hmm. snap! No wonder sometimes when I would play Mortal Kombat One, I would get owned, and I go to another arcade, and all of a sudden I'm doing well. Like it's little things like that you did not realize as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, it's it's like even seeing that whole like the controversy of the mortal Kombat and all that stuff. It's just crazy how he goes into that. Like he did, he did the history of the Castlevania series and literally talked about from beginning to end every single one of the games. 
he literally his videos are about like 20 to, to, to 30 minutes long each one the one for castlevania had like five or six parts to it damn and so he actually after he released all the parts he really he literally edited all the episodes into just one and then and ran it and it was like a two and a half hour long video because it's just like yeah there were just so many castlevania games now, as far as collecting, especially once COVID is, is not in our face like this <laughs> anymore, I do admit, like, for me, I want to see if I can find – I don't even care if they're, like, broken as long as I don't have to pay, you know, anything crazy for it. More of, like, the handhelds and arcade uh, yeah. machine cap – not the big ones, but the smaller ones mm-hmm. that they used to come out with. Because I do see that sometimes, you know, you go to an old lady's house and – they had like NES games and they'll be like, oh, look, I got 50 NES games for $10. And like to me, that's cool. But I could never be the kind of collector that would actually go on eBay or one of these like Facebook marketplace and pay like $70, like you said, for like yeah. Metroid or something like Like, no, that's that's too much for me. <laughs> so what's really interesting is so this place that that sells these like retro games and all that. What's cool is on their Facebook page, they, you know, they would show when like people would trade stuff in and be like, hey, it's for sale for you guys. Like the guy starts this video and you could like see he's like, so I contemplated doing or not doing this just because like I've never in my entire life like seen something like something like this at a shop, let alone have somebody bring this in. And so, like, you could hear his partner. So, like, ah, show it, show it. So he's like, cool. He's like, so to start this kind of story off, he's like, we had this lady that came in and she was like, hey, do you guys buy back old games? And she was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, good, because, you know, I have some games I want to trade in that, like, I got them for my kids a long time ago. And, like, they just never showed any interest. And I was buying it thinking maybe they would one day. They just never did. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, bring it in. He's like, I'm expecting this lady to bring in the usual stuff and all that. He's like, this woman comes in with an original NES with Rob the Robot and all that in the box. Oh, damn. Brings that in. Brings in a sealed Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda 2. What? Final Fantasy. All sealed in the plastic wrap. Okay. On top of that, brings in a, a Nintendo 64 that was opened, that was just a thing, but brought in an Ocarina of Time sealed in the box, Majora's Max sealed in the box. And she's like, yeah, I bought this stuff for my kids and all that, and like they just never get it, so I just put it into a... She's like, I had a, a cabinet that we kept all this in, and I just sat it in there. So it literally was sitting in a cabinet in this woman's house. So the guy's like taken aback, you know, by all this. And I mean, she brought stuff in like like stuff you never see in a box, let alone still sealed. And so like she brought in a ton of stuff. Like she brought Final Fantasy games, like she brought Final Fantasy 2, Final Fantasy 3, like um Earthbound sealed in the box. Like all these crazy games. Super expensive games. And so he goes to her and she was and he goes like, how much were you like looking to get for this? And she was like, 
I, she's like, I don't know. I'd be happy if I got a thousand dollars, like if that. And he just sat there and goes, ma'am. He's <laughs> like, and like he sat there and he was like, you know, at this point, I had a decision to make. So I do the thing that's morally right or morally wrong. He's like, because <laughs> I could have easily given her a grand and been like, okay, here you go. And sent her on her way and made a killing off of this. But he sat there and he was like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, you're easily going to get $1,000 for this. As a matter of fact, I will tell you. And he's like, and this is what I'm going to give you, give to you. She's like, I'm going to give you $5,000 for all this. Damn. And she was blown away. And she was like, really? And he was like, really? That's what you have here? He's like, you don't understand what you've brought to me today. Like, this is a once in a lifetime. I'm never going to see this again. Anybody that collects would never see this happen. You know, and she was just like, oh, my God, she couldn't believe it. But he knew like five, even giving her five grand, like he was going to make money off of that. Oh, yeah. Like the the Ocarina time in the Majora's Mask, I think he was selling for like 400 bucks a pop. Damn. Because a sealed car, a sealed cartridge. Like yep. it's never been turned on. You know? Like stuff like that. You look at a like fucking Final Fantasy 2 and Final Fantasy 3 sealed in a box. Like those were three, four hundred dollars each. You know? And it's, she had all this stuff. Like the NES and with the Rob the Robot and everything sealed was like he's like, that's easily a grand right there. You know? And to just think, back in the day, we, we had all this stuff just sitting in our house. Sitting in our house. We're, like, trading it and, like, oh, I don't like this game. It's, like, I remember going to the, like, that's the great thing about the NES age. Anywhere you went, they sold NES. So you'd be mm-hmm. at the gas station and there'd be, a like, the little bin and it's full of all these games and you're just, like, eh. They're, like, $5 each and it's, like, now those are worth so much money. Oh, yeah. I'll put it to you this way. I kind of had a similar thing with my board game collection. So game that I had when I was a kid, I think you and I have, have, have had, I've told you this story before, but one of the board games that I'll never forget that I had as a teenager and I used to play it was hero quest. It's a Milton Bradley game. It was essentially dungeon, dungeons and dragons in a box except everything was written out for you. Hmm. You had your little hero minifigures. So, like, the thing that was crazy about this and, and why this board game was as big as it was is it was a Milton Bradley board game that the miniatures were made by Games Workshop. Mind you, this is when Games Workshop was literally just starting out. So they were taking whatever work they could get just to get their miniatures out there. Okay, you look at Games Workshop now, it is literally the company to go to when you want to play miniatures games. Like, this goes to show you. So this game came out, I bought it, used to play the hell out of it with my friends. I used to do the books. I had the two two of the the, uh, four uh, expansions that they came out with for it. The two most common ones. And I love that game. And so after I left, like, I remember as a teenager and all that, like, it, it, it either was, like, after I left the house or what, but I used to have my old copy of the game. I mean, it was beat the hell because we played the shit out of it, but I had it. Somewhere along the line, that either got donated or thrown away. Not of my doing. 
And so now as an adult that I got back into board games, I was like, man, I would kill if I could find HeroQuest. Here's the problem. Number one, because Games Workshop made the miniatures, and now they were a much bigger company, your chances of giving them to make the miniatures again in a game, very, very, very slim, unless they got paid a lot of money. And the second thing was, is that when Milton Bradley started getting absorbed by all these bigger companies, someone knew that Milton Bradley was owned by somebody, but they didn't know who it was. Like, they knew who bought Milton Bradley. But in all that is Milton Bradley and several other ones, because as they got started getting absorbed into bigger and bigger companies, they started cutting up these bigger and bigger companies. So what ended up happening is you had this company now owns Milton Bradley. This company owns these IP rights and all that. Problem was, is people knew who Milton Bradley was owned by. What people didn't know is who owned the rights to HeroQuest. And the way that they basically said it is like, hey, it's literally in, in piles of paper that people have to go through legally to see where the hell this all went to. So you had that problem. So now... You weren't going to get a reprint from who owned Milton Bradley, which was like, uh, oh, who the hell ended up owning? It was it was somebody, which now is owned by Hasbro anyways. Mm. But they didn't know if they had the IP or not. So it was one of those things that you had people trying to run Kickstarters at the 25th anniversary of the game, but then they got a cease and desist because they knew somebody owned the IP, but they didn't know who owned the IP. So you had Hasbro basically, or like whoever owned Milton Bradley filing it saying, hey, somebody owns that IP. So the chances of you getting, finding one of these games, very, very slim. This game came out in the 90s. So I would go on Craigslist every so often, and you'd see a, a, a hero quest pop up every now and again. Now, mind you, a lot of the times it was like, hey, I have a hero quest. It's not 100% complete. Or, hey, I have a hero quest, I'm selling it, it's complete and all that. But you'd look at it and like you're like, wow, they played the hell out of this game. <laughs> the minimum that you would see this game go for is probably $150 to $175. Damn. Okay? And so I would keep looking at it and I'm like, man, that's insane, insane. And I'd look at the photos and I'd see them all beat down. I'm like, dude, I am not paying that much money for a game in that condition. So all of a sudden, I'm looking on Craigslist one day, and I see somebody selling a copy of HeroQuest. And I'm like, holy crap. And I'm like, cool. Not only are they selling a copy of HeroQuest, they're selling a copy of HeroQuest and the two expansions that I owned with it. I found out about the expansions because I emailed them and said, hey, um, so how much are you looking to get the HeroQuest? And then they emailed back saying, oh, hey, it also has the two expansions. And I'm like, cool, how much do you want for it? So now, mind you, I'm saying it as in I sent an email, I got a response. Like, I sent an email, I didn't get a response for like a week and a half. Damn. <laughs> I sent a response another week or so, then I'd get a response. Like, So I'm in the process of like, they're probably sold it already because they're probably getting inundated with offers. So when they finally respond back as far as like I asked them how much they want for it, the guy literally just says, send me an offer. And I'm like, cool, I'll give you 175 bucks for it. And then silence for about a week and a half to two weeks. Oh, shit. 
<laughs> so at this point, I'm thinking, oh, he sold it. All of a sudden, he replies back and goes, hey, so I've had several offers for this bundle. And he's like, and and to give you even better details as far as this bundle, he's like, the because he didn't have any pictures of it. That was the other thing. He just had a written description. He says, so literally the base game and the first expansion are have the shrink wrap taken off of them, but I've never played them. He said the original game, like I put all the little cardboard stuff together. I punched everything out. But the second one, I never removed the the figures off of like their plastic kind of like thing that they come attached to. He's like the third, the second expansion, it's still sealed in the plastic. And I'm going, holy shit, you're talking a 25 plus year old game that has not been touched. Damn. And so like. Um, okay. And so I start thinking about it. And so my wife and I are sitting there going back and forth and blah, blah, blah about it. And she's like, what happened? And I said, well, I offered him 175. I was willing to go to 200. And I explained to her, I said, the game itself, the game and the expansion open, never played the, the second expansion still sealed in the box. I said, I wanted to kind of do like 200 at max. And she's like, do you think, do you think that will get you the game? I said, I think so, but I don't know. And she was like, if you were to go max all in for something like that, what would you pay? And I said, probably 250 to 275. God bless my wife. She's like, offer him the 275. And I was just like, eh, I don't know. And she's, offer him the 275. If you really, really want it and you say, and it is in the condition that it really is in, that's going to be worth. And I offered it to him. And I ended up getting it. And nice. when I tell you, and when I tell you, like I brought this thing home, like I met them and it was a, an older gentleman and his wife. And he's like, yeah, so I bought this when this game came out to play this with my kids. He's like, I opened it up. I put everything together. I opened up the first expansion and then closed it back up. Cause I saw it. I didn't want to take those things out of there. And then I read through the rule book and all that and realized like, Oh, this is going to be a little too complex for my boys right now. I'll hold on to it for a couple of years and then we'll give it a shot. He's like, I, I don't think I even play. He says, I literally took it. I put it up in my attic and our finished attic with a, which had like a storage room. He's like, I haven't touched it ever since. He's like, we started going through the attic and taking stuff out to sell and all that. And that's when I came across this game. He's like, so he's like, the offer you gave me, he's like, it, it was pretty much what they were going for. He's like, I could have sold this for way more money, but I was just fine with what it, what you offered. I just wanted to get rid of it. So that was like the perfect price to go with. Oh, perfect price to go in. But like the thing that got me where I was still like that hesitant of like, I don't know, blah, 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 until I literally lifted the box off the first one as because he's telling me the story as I'm going to inspect. it. I literally looked down and the first thing that I looked at was the dice. And the reason why is as opposed to like plastic dice that you got in in like Monopoly and stuff, when Milton Bradley made this game, all the dice were made out of wood. And so the pips and all the attack dice had it painted on. Now the only downside to using wooden dice is as opposed to plastic where they would just mold the stuff in, 
they actually made the die cubed and then painted on the thing, which meant as you went playing with this and using it, the paint started coming off. And that was kind of like the thing that happened with mine that I had, like literally the hits and the misses you had to be careful with and look at it because the paint had come off because it was either like a, a, a white skull on a black background, you know, so you had to kind of like pay attention to what was rolling up and be like, oh, yeah, that's a hit. As soon as I saw the dice, they looked like they had been just manufactured. I literally didn't even need to look at anything else. I just sat there and put the instruction manual back and closed it up. I said, I made the wisest decision offering him that. And at that price that I got it at, it was a hell of a price. Damn. See, so it, it's good to see the good stories where it actually turns oh, out yeah. instead of all those stories where it's like, I got an empty box. And so the thing that's really, really funny is, I guess after after Hasbro ended up buying, buying uh, out all these other companies, they actually did their version of like Kickstarter, the the Hasbro Pulse, and they actually did a, a, a reprint thing of of uh, Hero Quest. Only they got a, a company to do the the miniatures completely different. Um, what's really funny is is that now none of the furniture is going to be cardboard. It's all going to be plastic. And so it's going to have new figures and all that. And they released it. They had two versions you can get just the base game or the base game with the first two expansions, which are the same ones that I have, um, but all new plastic figures. So what's funny is, is that like at first I was like, oh, damn, that's going to bring the value down of my original one. But then I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. Mine's just still going to be worth way more, uh, you know, way the, 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 the amount that it is, because those miniatures, you're never going to see them ever again anywhere else. Because they're from Games Workshop. So unless you spend money on Games Workshop miniatures to put them into that that new Hero Quest, then you're never going to see that. That that see that that's sweet. <laughs> I the only thing I've ever really bought game wise from a person and went out was long time ago with the Texas Instruments, which was my oh, my dude. uncle's computer, and this was back in the day when like internet was like barely started it was like bbs type days Mm -hmm. and i remember that my uncle was like yeah uh it's getting harder to find games and everything and they ended up having like these little conventions uh for the ti 99.4a and we found this guy who's like oh i have this you know like crate full of uh, all these games and, and educational software and i'm selling it all for like 100 bucks and then mm-hmm. we're like oh we'll go see and we go out to the guy's house into his garage and he has like one of those plastic bins and it had all these classic stuff like metal munchers and things like that and it's like for for me back then it was great because it's like there was nowhere else to get that and that's the only computer thing that i had at the time i mean i had a nintendo but like i was really getting into the old computer scene and after that, it was like finding Amiga games. Like when I finally got mm-hmm. my Amiga 500, I would go over to the game shop. And I, I'm the guy that since I'm, I was poor, I would always try and find like old magazines because mm-hmm. like they had all the, like the Amiga magazine and it always had like demo discs in it. So mm-hmm. what I would do is I would wait and buy like the previous months or maybe two, three months ago because they'd like discount it 25 or 50 percent off and it's like mm-hmm. even those are like worth a lot like you go and you yeah. see that if you could get and most of those were sealed because in plastic to hold a disc 
So it's like if you could find some of those old game uh, magazines that are sealed in plastic, those are worth a lot. So it's it's just crazy how much you can collect. Oh, dude, it's it's yeah. That that's the thing that makes me laugh at that is like any type of thing where you want to collect, especially if it's something nostalgic, like the things that you would think like, oh, those things are worth are, are probably worth nothing, and then you look it up and you're like, how in the hell is that thing worth a thousand dollars? Like. And you realize it's like, oh, it had the demo for blah, 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 so-and-so, like, famous person, famous devs, like, that was his first game. And it's like, oh, that's why. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, dude, it's – it's I, I crack up at it because, like, especially with, like, the board game stuff, man, I've, I've collected so many different things. And it's it's interesting to see just how different – different game devs have their own kind of like unique style of designing a game and it's not just video games like there's i want to say like a hand like there's a handful of them that like when you hear their name people are like oh yeah one of them stefan felt which him when you look at he's the type of game developer that picks a mechanic and then makes a game around that mechanic. Mm. But it's not just like, oh, he'll take a rolling dice thing and then turn it that mechanic into something like. He took literally um, a dice rolling game and turned it into something great, where it's that that one's his Castles of Burgundy, where you roll dice and based on the numbers that you roll is what you can do. But let's say the numbers that you roll don't appeal to you. He put in, cool, you can turn in one of those dice and then get a quote-unquote worker that the worker, when you decide to use it, lets you change your die number up one or down one. So now it gives you more options. Or if you spend two workers, you can change the number to whatever you want. So he took this thing of like these roadblocks that you could hit and then came with you know solutions to it. And so he took like a rondelle. And turn that into a completely like game where it's not just a rondelle. It's a spin on the rondelle. And he's like, amazing part. You have guys like, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, crap. He made Agricola, for Christ's sake. Oh. You got me. <laughs> hold on. Uh, come on. Designer, hold on. No. Is that your final answer? Boom, 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 boom. Ah, uh, you're not Uwe, Uwe Rosenberg. Uwe Rosenberg. Mm. A lot of his games are farm themed, but when it comes down to it, when you sit down and you look at it, because a lot of his games are farm themed, people are like, "Oh, I want a game where like," but it's 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 like a farm theme where it's a very intricate system of systems so when people say like oh i want a game that like has it's really complex and it really makes me think and da 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 oh go with a game by uve rosenberg because mm-hmm. he puts these like mechanics in that you have to and what's amazing about his games is you look at his games out and they look like you you look at it and you're like it's going to take me a year to figure out how to play this game and then you go through the rule book and you can watch a how-to video and you realize like Oh, it's not that complicated at all. And it isn't. Like, the actual pick up and play 
is very simple. But to master that simple pick up and play is where the strategy and the intricacy comes in. That's the thing that's amazing about some of these designers. And so, like, you look at this boom that we've had. I mean, hell, I have a collection of, like, at least 250 different board games. That's going on lowballing it. Wow. You know? But it's like you get games that, yeah, there's some that are very similar, so you can trim down here, but then you sit there and you look at these other games, and it's like, wow, this is completely different. Oh, this is even completely different. Oh, this one's even more completely different. And it just goes on, and literally from the same designer, too. Like, it'll be different. So you can own every single game that they own. Um, But what's amazing is you'll have people that'll say, okay, cool, this guy's known for doing this. Out of all the games that he's come out with, this is the one that's the best one out of all. And it could be the first game that he designed. It could be the 10th game he's designed. Like, collecting is is nuts because you can go nuts with it. You know, at least the nice thing about, like, retro collecting is there's only so much you can collect because they no longer make that stuff. You know, but do you want to be one of those people of like, I'm going to own every single NES game that ever came out? Or you're like, oh, I want to I want to buy the games that I remember as a kid that were my favorite, you know? Yeah, I I almost rather do like how someone might collect art pieces that they like. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like if I I'd be the kind of person, like I said, if I go to um, a garage sale or something and I see, like you said, like a Super Mario RPG and they don't know it's it might be worth a lot. And they're selling it for like a couple of bucks. Like I'd buy that and then like have that as, as my collection of games that I really like. I mean, it's the same thing with my mini arcades. I'm yeah. probably not gonna buy just any old game uh, unless it's like really really cheap. But for the most part, I want to find games that I liked and actually put those up too. So that's probably the way I would go for it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> now that I realize we've gone on an hour and five minute off-topic tangent well not really because remember we started before talking about like covid shots that is not part of the podcast that's that's true Uh, (laughs) but i did want to quickly uh talk about that's the biggest side salad uh segment i think we've done so far well see it's still in the realm of games so it's fine sure you know if we went off talking about food or something then you know maybe that'd be different (laughs) I just realized that from last time that we got together, we're like, oh, let's come up with the side cell. That's our side tangent. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about the uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass because I got it uh, not for console, but, you know, the Microsoft version for PC. Mm. And I got the one where you get like a, a free month and there seems to be like another one where you can even extend it and you could get like three months for a dollar or something like that. So I was like, let me try it out. And it and so far, I mean, I, I've liked it. Yeah. So with me, when they first kicked in the Game Pass, I think they sent me an email because I still had like, God, I think it was like eight months or nine months. I think maybe even 10 months into my uh, my I was paying for the Xbox, uh, Xbox Gold. Mm. And so they're like, hey, so we're doing a thing where we're going to combine Xbox Gold and Game Pass for 15 bucks. 
So instead of paying 20 for both, you pay $5 less and you get both your Xbox Gold and this Game Pass. And they're like, cool. And if you convert over now, you get three months for free. And I'm like, huh. So you're telling me I'll have over a year of Xbox you know, Gold with Game Pass and then I can just keep that. Cool, yeah, I'll do that. And so, like, I love it because, number one, day one games, both on Xbox and PC. I have a Xbox One uh, X, so there's some stuff that only comes out on the console and some stuff that's only on, that's on both. So it's cool that I have that option of, like, ooh, here's this game that's on the console. It's not on PC. Let me boot it up and download it for it. Or... The other flip side to me has been there's been games that are like, ooh, I want to buy that, but I don't know. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, it's on Game Pass. I think I'll play it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, I did that with, um, oh, what was it? There was, ah, shoot, I, I'm, I'm launching it right now because I have it installed. Um, not Astroneer. The Outer Worlds. Ah. The Outer Worlds, I was super intrigued of it. And I'm like, man, it is the people that did New Vegas, and that was a really good game. Fallout New Vegas was really good. I'm like, but I don't know. Like, sometimes those people, they, they do a great game, and their ego gets too big, and then their follow-up is crap. And then I started watching reviews, and I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to have to pick that up. And that's when I literally launched the Game Pass, and I'm like, oh, look, it's on there. I think I'll play it. <laughs> and so I I think for the value, I think it's great. Now I've heard apparently recently Microsoft did away with just gold. And now they're basically going to force people to get the Game Pass Ultimate if they want to play um, uh, online and stuff like the gold. And so there's some people that are like, you know, most of the people that are upset are like, I'm not going to utilize the Game Pass. It's you're basically charging me double for me to access online. And then you have the flip side of the coin where there are people are like, cool, I was thinking about Game Pass. But now that I got it, hey, this is pretty neat. Yeah, I, I don't know about forcing. No, they, they pretty much said it like the only option now if they want to if, the, if people want to go online in 2021 is you have to get the Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't I don't know if I'd, 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 I like that to, to be forced. I mean, I, I like it. There's a lot of great games on there that mm-hmm. I that I've played, too. But I don't know, man. It's like you should have that option. Not it's have it. I think I think the thing the big thing is and this is where I'm seeing it, like the reaction that people are having people that have both a console and a gaming PC are like, well, I was thinking of doing it. So now I'm going to do it. It's cool that I can now, you know, I was paying for it for my Xbox originally, but now because I'm having to pay this, I can now access this stuff from my PC. Oh, and it's only five bucks more than what I was paying type of a, you know, or like, no, it's, I, per month it was it wasn't like it was what seven bucks or whatever it is i think it was it was because it was 60 a year so now they're like oh it's it's double yeah they were paying seven bucks a month now they have to pay double and it's like well at least i'm getting something that i can utilize on my pc too so hey sure but it's those people that don't have a gaming pc that they're like we're getting screwed and i kind of feel like yeah 
um, or the people that have the Xbox and they're like, I'm never going to touch Game Pass. I just wanted to play with the multiplayer with my friends. Those are the people that are getting screwed, I think. Now, people have said that they've had like lag in the games or things like that. I admit I, I haven't re- having problems with that. I mean, I admit my, my PC is, is pretty uh, buffed up. But, I mean, have you had any problems playing any of the games? I mean, considering uh, that, oh, side salad, um, I was able to get myself a 3090. Oh. <laughs> so, funny story of how that happened. Um, I was on a Discord server. So, up here uh, in Massachusetts, we have a micro center. One micro center. This places are all, all over the place everywhere else. And so they had a Discord server of a non-official Micro Center Discord, which some guys started up. And it was basically like it had think people asking questions. And what it basically turned into after the 3000 series launched and the AMD processors was, hey, how many people are standing in line outside the store? Like, is there a truck there? Blah, 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 blah. And they even had like employees on the Discord. So the employees would basically like they had it broken down by store by you know state and and area and you could basically say like i'm only interested in these these stores so i had the one store that we had here and i and i would go in and people be like oh is there a truck today blah 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 like how many people are standing in line like how many cars are they gonna have and so an employee helped set up the rules of like hey look our store gets stocked tuesdays thursdays sometimes on fridays so people knew oh cool tuesday thursday those are the days to, to wait in line but the guy basically said, like, there's times like, you know, if there's a high demand for stuff, we'll get, you know, weird trucks that will show up in the middle of the day on Wednesday or something. But those aren't guaranteed The Tuesday, Thursday are. So I got in there. I had no intention. I was like, cool. I want to get a 3000 series card. I can wait. And so there was one day where I basically um there was a morning where I was like, you know, I didn't I didn't start till later in the day. And I was like, you know what? For shits and giggles, because I saw there was like a bit of a line. I left my wife at work. I'm like, you know what? Today they there were rumors that they would get, you know, they had two trucks waiting and stuff like that. I'm like, you know what? For shits and giggles, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to stand in line. And so I went. And I maybe got halfway up to the, the front door when all of a sudden the manager leaned out and said, hey, we're out of 3,000 series cards. I'm like, cool, and I left. The thing that's funny is that same afternoon, in that Discord, I had it while I'm working from home. A guy puts up like, hey, a buddy of mine works for Best Buy, and they're going to they're gonna get a stock drop today, and it's a pretty big one. And so I was like, oh, that's an interesting message. I wonder what time. And then somebody literally had just typed a what time. And the guy said anywhere between 11 and 12 o'clock. They're starting. At 11.30, it starts coming the messages like, hey, they have this card in stock. And I clicked on it. And it was a, And I basically said to myself, I said, look, at this point, I'll get a 3000 series. I really wanted a 3080. I said, but if the opportunity arises that, hey, the only card that's in stock is a 3090, yes, it's expensive, but I will at least have a card that, A, I don't have to worry about how much memory is on board with it. I'm not going to have to worry about replacing this thing for three to four years easily, probably five to six. And so I said, you know what? It's going to hurt, but I'll do it. 
sure enough, first card that came up, a EVGA uh, 3090 XC3. And I'm like, oh, I put it in. I'm sitting there, sitting there, trying to buy it, trying to buy it. I'm going through all this thing. Oh, you have to verify your card. You have to do this. And I'm like the whole time going, dude, there's no way I'm getting this card. <laughs> like by the time I get through the, all these hoops that I'm jumping, the bots will have scooped it up. Nope, sure enough, order went through. I'm like, holy crap, this is really happening. And let me tell you, when it comes down to can can this card run it, it's not a matter of can this card run it. It's how well does this card run it. Because <laughs> I have thrown everything at it. Everything. Overwatch, 2080, regular. With mixed settings, very few things high, some things medium, some things kind of low. No, I think medium was the lowest I went. I was getting 75 frames a second nice. at 3440 by 1440p. 3090. I have the game set on Epic. It's the highest you can go. I will get 300 frames a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, the only game, only game, Battlefield 5. I used to run that thing on DirectX 11, no ray tracing and all that, would maybe pull 70 frames a second. I got that bitch on as high as it can go, ray tracing on in 1440p, getting 90 frames a second. Wow. With the crappy optimization ray tracing that Battlefield 5 has. All right. Um, the only game that this thing struggles to keep up with and granted it's because let's admit it the optimization is horrible in it cyberpunk 2077 ah, yeah if i put everything on ultra i'll barely break 60 i'll be like 50s ish but if i i tweak some things with some guide down in some of the settings that they're like you don't really need to set this that high blah 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 dude i'm running that thing right now 75 frames no problem with ray tracing on uh, on Ultra, I think it is. It's not the highest setting, but you know, DLSS to to mixed and stuff like that. Like it's insane how good. So I'm getting the same frame rate I was getting before, just now with all the bells and whistles turned on. And it is insane. Now the thing that I laughed at was, and I didn't think about this, looking at the 3080 because that was the other thing. Is I was like, ah, eh, maybe I should have gotten, you know, seeing if I could get one of the uh, the better 3090s. Like the For the Win series from from EVGA or maybe the Asus one, and then I realized like, dude, I'm gonna pay like another hundred to two hundred bucks just to get a one percent increase. Pfft, I'm fine with this card. Yeah. The the second thing I never thought of is how big the card is. This thing, thankfully, it's the smaller of the two cards that EVGA makes. It's literally the same size as my 2080, so I have no problem. If I would have gone with the regular one when I actually got the measurements and I measured it out, I might not have been able to fit it in my case. Yeah, some of those are, like, freaking huge, man. Oh, dude. It's, it's, it's like, you saw the video when, when NVIDIA showed off the 3090, him pulling it out of the oven. He's like, ooh! I was like, dude, <laughs> that thing's a monstrosity. But, like, it is insane. But even with my 2080, going back to your question, I never saw any like lag issues or anything like that and i think it's because people people were thinking because i don't think 
I don't think they thought that it was like, oh, hey, you just install it on your computer and you run it for your computer. I think people thought that it was going to be like Stadia where it like streams it to you. So that's why people were afraid of lag with it. And so once it came out that they're like, no, no, you just install it and play is when people were like, this thing runs great. Like, and I've never had a problem with any of the games that I've, I've played through the game pass. Yeah, and for me, like you said, it's it's what I like about it is it lets you try out these games without pirating that you mm-hmm. are not sure sure of, like you know, or even games that you just didn't get to because like you have so many other things going on, like yeah. like uh, Hollow Knight. Like I never played that, you know. <laughs> it's like, and to be able to get to play that, or even some of the old games, like I saw they had some of the Final Fantasy remastered, not like the yeah. the new one, like seven. But like the older ones like yeah, that yeah. came out for like PC. Nine and stuff, yeah. Here's the other thing that's that's really interesting if you think about it. And this is this is the genius of what they did here. So it's kind of in that sense where they rotate games in and out, kind of like Netflix style. Yeah. Here's the here's the thing. On top of like, hey, come play Outer Wilds for a while. I mean, granted, that one will always stay on because they own the stupid studio, but if it's something that's going to go rotate off, if you sit there and you look at it underneath the install with Game Pass and all that, when you look at the, hey, you could also buy it, you get a discount because you're paying for the 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 uh, online part of it. So you get like a ten at least a 10% discount off of the game, maybe more. And so that's a genius move on their part because they're like, hey, you really like the game? Hey, it's going to rotate out, you know, and it won't be back for who knows how long. But here's a discount, and you could keep it if you want. Yeah, that that is really smart. And yeah. considering that they they you know the buyout with Bethesda, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff. Oh, coming. dude, like that was that's the thing right now that's got PlayStation and Switch <laughs> owners quaking in their boots of like, oh, Microsoft owns them now. Does that mean that it's only gonna come out on on Windows and and Xbox? Like they have the biggest bargaining chip right now because they could sit there and say, hey, we're only going to release it on PC and and Xbox and try and get a ton of people to come and buy the Xbox. Or they can go to Nintendo and Sony and go, "Okay, so how much you guys willing to pay to get this onto your system? Yep. Like it's a win win for them. And even if they decide not to sit there and and extort money, I'm not going to use extort, but like (laughs) basically make a deal that way. Think about it. Even if they say like, oh, we're going to release it on all systems. Dude, imagine the millions of dollars they're still going to make even selling it for a system that's not their own. Like they're still going to make bank off of uh, off of Elder Scrolls six. Like, come on now. They've released Skyrim how many freaking times? Like 90? <laughs> like everything? Like I think there's a printer out in Russia that I think can run Skyrim now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. It's 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 insane. They keep releasing Skyrim, and the thing keeps selling like crazy. Like I think I I cracked up. I had a buddy of mine that he's like, dude, they're never gonna release Elder Scrolls Six, and I'm like, why? He's like, because they keep re-releasing Five, and it keeps selling like crazy. Why would they go to Six? <laughs> now what they need to do is just go ahead and re- release six but built into six is skyrim <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. like it's like triple the game you're like here look how big the world yeah. is it's like jesus dude so and on that what's funny is uh, and, and going off of off of to the to the board game topic for this episode i saw 
that you sent me a <laughs> you sent me a picture that after Christmas you got the Gudetama <laughs> uh, card game as well. Yes. And so it, it got me interesting in what what made me initially be like I want to get that card game is like it's it's hilarious because Gudetama has been my like japanese mascot quote-unquote because like you have hello kitty and all these other ones that everybody goes nuts over gudetama has been the one that i've most associated with why because gudetama's like phrase is meh which is what i (laughs) tell my wife all the time just like when i'm like "Eh, whatever i don't want to deal with it (laughs) and so i crack up that it's like you know it was it was like that and so when I first sat there and saw that, I was like, how in the heck could they turn that into a game? And then I saw a review from Dice Tower where they go into how the game works. And I just sat there and said, that's the most genius thing ever. And essentially the way that it works is it is a trick taking game, which for our listeners that if they don't know what a trick taking game is, think of spades. It's basically everybody plays a card Whoever has the highest value wins that quote-unquote trick, and then they start the next turn until people run out of cards. It's essentially that. You have cards valued from 1 to 14, but because the theme of it is Gudetama, and you're a lazy egg, you don't want to win the trick. You want to lose, because you want to have the lowest score at the end of all the rounds that you play. And so what's interesting is, and I started thinking about it, and I said, you know, well, wait a minute. what, What's to basically make somebody play, you know, not want to play a card that they should be playing and just bluff their way through the whole thing and just never pick up tricks? And that's when I sat there and went through the rule book and realized that on your turn, you either have one of two options to you. You either play a card equal to or higher than the number that's down or you have to play your lowest valued card and so Mm. i realized after that i'm like oh that's how you stop people from bluffing their way out of out of winning and so it's interesting because they have special rules for if somebody plays the number one which is the lowest value card or if somebody plays the highest value card and so I find it really, really, really interesting, this little spin on it where it's like, you know, you don't want to win as opposed to how it is on every other game. You want to lose. And I thought, like, it's so perfectly themed of this whole thing of, like, you're you're playing as the lazy egg and you don't want to win. <laughs> you just want it to end. I, I like how it even has a section in the rule book that says, what about players who attempt to cheat? And it says, we recommend not playing games with nefarious folk. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's <laughs> hilarious is because you know there's going to be people that are going to like, <laughs> like try and cheat it out and stuff. But it's like, I found it so interesting. Like, damn, that's such a great little spin on a trick-taking game that normally you're like, like Spades, you're trying to win as many hands as you can. Yeah, and it's fun, and yeah. like I got mine on Amazon for like fifteen bucks, so it's not expensive yeah. or anything, and two to seven players, so it's like it's not like you need to have a ton of people, but mm-hmm. you can have a decent group if you get enough people together. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really enjoy it. I I play it a few games, uh, and 
yeah, that was the thing. Like everyone, you know, you, you agree you're gonna play the right way, and once yeah. that's out of the way, it's really fun. So I really enjoyed it. So I, I I'm I'm glad I saw when you told me about it. I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I'm glad I will I tell you it. this: if if you like card games and you want a really fun, crazy ass party game, like once everything ends, seek out a game called The Mind. Okay. So the mind is a card game where the goal of the game is for the players to place their cards down. So mind you, the deck is a deck that goes from one to 100. And so what you want to do is you start off the first round. Everybody has one card and you want to everybody place their card down from lowest number to highest number. And then once you do that, Second round is you sit there and have everybody has two cards and you basically do that. So you get to level 10 where everybody has 10 cards in their hand and you put them down. The one caveat is because I'm sure you're thinking like that's simple. You just all right. I have this number. I have this number. I have this. Once the game of the round starts, nobody can talk or do anything that would give away what numbered cards you have in your hand. And so the thing about it is that makes it interesting is if let's say I have a 50 and you have something lower and the card is 40 and I don't think you have it and I put my 50 down, you have to put whatever cards. So all the players, whatever cards are lower than 50 in between the 40 and the 50, you put them all down and we lose a life. You only have a set amount of lives for the entire time. So early on, the game is not too bad. Once you start getting three, four cards in your hand, that's where the game gets interesting. Because then it's like, oh, I have 10. Cool, I don't have to put anything down till 40, but I have 43, 44, and then 49. The thing about it is you can't put more than one card down at a time. <laughs> so it's like you have to quickly put your 43 44 and then like ah uh, uh, do i put my 49 because somebody had doesn't have it it gets nerve-wracking dude the highest i think i've ever made with other people has been to the fifth level so everybody had five cards and that just got insane so i can't even imagine 10 <laughs> damn but it is such a nerve-wracking kind of like fun. Like everybody's just looking at each other across the table, <laughs> trying to figure out like, okay, could, do, do, do I put my twenty down or does everybody <laughs> wait? Like, it's such a fun game. Oh man. Well, I definitely want to on on the next uh, episode to go more into some board games because. I, I'm really liking some of these card games, and like I got also the the Sonic uh, Monopoly board game. Finally played oh. that; that was fun as well. So we definitely got to hit that out. But um, mm-hmm. I know we kind of went a little bit past our time, so don't, we will. <laughs> I'm warning you right now: don't open this can of worms, because I will get you to get some stuff that you're gonna be like, all right, I'm going full blown in on this. Well, I'm warning you now. Hey, you know what? That's fine. Ne- ne- the next episode we'll do, it'll be about <laughs> heading me down that 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 dark, dark, dark path, path. <laughs> that's going to probably get me broke as I'm going to buy all these card games, board games, and Nintendo Switch retro games. <laughs> mm-hmm. But 
Until then, thank you very, very much for listening to Geek Salad. I am Jay Larock. And I'm Randy. And we'll be back very soon. But until then, peace.